This is Sylvia Myers. And I'm Priscilla Phoenix. And you're listening to Do Do You You Have Have Space Space For Me? Hello. Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, welcome to Do You Have Space For Me? Ta-da. We're here. We made it. Kind of. Sort of. We're we're present and accounted for. Yeah. (laughs) Um, if you hear us like wheezing, wheezing, coughing, sounding very nasally, we still sick. We we still sick. Should we tell them what kind of happened? <laughs> sure. I mean, I like if if anyone listens to our podcast in a consecutive order or whatever, you'll see that we kind of had like a little tiny episode, and I put like a little thing at the end of it that said that you know we've been sick and everything. Yeah, we went on vacation and then got sick and are still, almost a month later, still <laughs> sick. We, we are very nasally people. And through this ordeal, I've learned one, one critical lesson. I did not know how much the human body could produce mu- mucus until this shit right here. Yeah. <laughs> it it's was, nonstop. It's ridiculous. And I did not know that that we could do that. It was so bad, yeah. And I think we're all feeling better, but we're still not 100%, obviously. Yeah, so if we sound kind of scratchy throat, coughing, yeah. it just kind of... And the rattling it. of papers, that is us eating, uh, like, sucking on cough drops and stuff. We didn't have the big COVID. Nope. We all tested negative. negative we didn't have flu we just had something and, and it's still kind of lingering a little bit yeah and by the way i'm priscilla phoenix <laughs> i'm sylvia myers <laughs> and, and uh, this, is, this is do you have space for me <laughs> do you have cough drops for me <laughs> cough drops syrup yeah. do, okay so on vacation though let me say i was hoping to spend money on you know like fun things and I ended up spending a large amount of money on various varieties of cough syrup, mm-hmm. daytime medicine. And where we were at, it was not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so. We both kind of had that issue. I think you and the producer had it a little bit worse just because whatever we had, you got it first. Mm-hmm. And it, I was a few days behind and it sucked too because we were hoping to enjoy vacation as that's what vacations are for and to rest and to have fun. <laughs> I mean, we still had a little bit of fun, but honestly, I think we all would have rather have been home in our own beds and right. not spending a large amount of money, but also just when you're sick, being at home is like the best thing ever. I remember on the day that we went back, I just kept thinking, I just want to get home. Literally. I just want to get home. I just want to get home. It was like what a a six hour drive that for one thing turned into like an eight or nine hour drive because Google Maps decided to take us back roading. To be fair, it was Thanksgiving around that time, Mm -hmm. weekend and whatnot. So I would like to say that it was high traffic, but the ride lasted for rayons. It felt like years. (laughs) But also imagine being so sick. That you don't even turn the radio on for eight hours. 
We just didn't. I, did we do it for like half an hour and then we we're like, no more. Yeah, you you got kind of anxious because we were actually in a town and it was kind of like you were trying to catch your bearings about where you were at. Yeah, and, and it was weird. And then we were also like. I remember at one point I looked at you, Sylvia, and I said, I'm sorry I don't have anything cool to talk about. And you said, well, it's cool. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying this right now. <laughs> so then we just became silent again. It yeah. was like. Not only do we not really have anything in the moment to talk about, we didn't really feel like talking because our throats hurt and yeah, yeah, it All was together it was bad. Yeah. And then, as I mentioned before, not too long before that, we had a pet death. So that mm. the, everything combined has just made it hard for us because we had big plans to like be more consistent with releasing podcast episodes and stuff, and it was yeah, it was a hot mess. But here we are for your listening pleasure with our scratchy throats and our runny noses and barking dogs. So, uh, Sylvia, I I actually think that maybe our scratchy throats are a good thing because I think we sound rather sexy in our raspy snotty nosed voices <laughs> if, if I could, maybe i'll listen to this later and be like nope but, yeah, be like what the hell uh like, if nope. i could do one of those sexy purr noises <sighs> yeah i can't do that man <laughs> but anyway thanks for hanging in there with us and and everything um and hopefully we will be feeling better we're gonna try to record today we've kind of we might have said this before i can't remember but we kind of think we found our niche with the Appalachian stuff. We live in an Appalachian area and it's really interesting to us in that there's so much to it and everything. So I have a big obsession lately with the actual Appalachian trail. I have been looking up just some like random interesting facts about the trail itself and um different things that have happened on it and stuff and I was doing this while I was sick so I didn't get as much information as I would like but I still want to kind of share what I found if you're cool with that Priscilla can give her feedback and everything too some of it's really cool actually some of it I want to do more research on to it and everything so I've got a lot of information from some different websites of course you know Wikipedia is one of my favorites thetrek.co rei.com businessinsider.com which is kind of weird, weird but I guess, <laughs> yeah you know, whatever works travelchannel.com onlyinyourstate.com and just some other like random things i found on google i did not know a lot of these this in particular i did not know that all of the elevation changes along the appalachian trail you know going up and down uh-huh. and then back up and down and stuff the mountains and everything it is equal to climbing Mount Everest at least 16 times. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. So, I mean, you know, the trail is like 2,000 miles or something like that. So it's not all just, you know, straight up like it would be for the most part on Everest. Mm-hmm. But that the fact that you eventually, if you complete the entire trail, will have climbed the equivalent of Mount Everest 16 times. Or more. It's just, that's nutty. Kudos to everyone who has attempted and or succeeded. Right. Even if you attempt it and you stop at a certain point, you still succeeded. 
yeah. in, in a, in an endeavor in my eyes, you know? Right. So. I don't know if I wrote it down in here. I'm, I might come across it in a, in a minute. But there was one thing I saw that said roughly about 20% of the people who start the Appalachian Trail actually finish it. And that could be like the through hikers, like we've talked about before, who do it in all one go. Or it might be the, I want to say they're called like trip hikers or event hikers or something like that, where they do it in, or section hikers, where they do it in sections, you know, over the course of, it might be a year or two, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Either way, that's freaking amazing. There are wild horses or ponies mm-hmm. on the Appalachian Trail, sort of. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, around like 1975, there were 50 ponies that were brought up to the Grayson Highlands to graze and then help control like vegetation growth. They get rounded up twice a year to go to the vet, make sure they're healthy, they're safe. And to kind of check their numbers, I, they probably have them tagged somehow, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, keep everyone in check. So they're not wild in the sense that they don't have anyone monitoring them or making sure they're safe and well cared for and stuff, but they're not domesticated. Like you can't necessarily ride them and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's so cool. Like I never thought about that. So when I say like wild kind of, that's why, because they are taken care of, but they're not domesticated, mm-hmm. not riding. I actually stuff. had a friend who did walk part of the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. and those, they actually encountered the horses and the horses actually are really close. Like they get kind of close to you, but not close enough. Like for them, they didn't get to touch the horses, but the horses were, came very close to them. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's horses up there. Like I had no idea. And then when I saw it, I was like, Ooh, amazing. Right. And it said, so in like 1975, they put 50 up there. It doesn't say how many's now. Yeah. I didn't really look for it to be honest, but I, I, I didn't see it in any of that. Let's just assume there's probably at least 200 because they're checking their numbers. We know that they're probably mating and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just like, I mean, it's part of nature and stuff. So, I mean, honestly, there's probably more than that. I think you might have mentioned this before, and I can't remember. The Appalachian Mountains predate the creation of the of North America as a continent. So, basically, when the continents, like, split and then collided and stuff, they were there before all that. And then I think they just kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Because my brain works differently. In my mind, I'm thinking that possibly some of it from, like, say, this state to this state or what would eventually be that state to that state mm-hmm. was on this continent or, or whatever. And the other half was over here. And then when they the continents merged, it all became, like, one long mountain thing. Cartoony <laughs> as it sounds. That's how my brain works. Damascus, Virginia has an Appalachian Trail Days Festival every year for almost 40 years. Is that not cool? Yeah. Like a little festival. And I'm thinking it's around May or something. We should look into that and see, like, what all happens there. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be – I mean, I I like little festivals and stuff, but also one that's been going on for almost 40 years or 40-plus. There is a road – called Skyline Drive. It's about 150 miles and it goes through Shenandoah National Park. And the original Appalachian Trail 
was intended to follow that road or what like would eventually become that road. What is interesting about that is you can still drive this road. So I'm like, okay, well, if you're like me and allergic to everything and not inclined to hike, <laughs> might as well drive it, right? You could, yeah. I mean, the, the, what is now the trail, because the trail kind of has been reworked over the years and, you know, repaired and stuff like that. So it's shifted a little bit. So what is the trail now isn't necessarily right on that road, but it was back in the day it was, or it was supposed to be and stuff. So you could probably still see a lot of the things you would on the trail. The highest elevation point of the Appalachian Trail is Clingman's Dome, which is in the Great Smoky Mountains um, in Tennessee. And it is 6,643 feet. And I think that's supposed to be like above sea level. Wow, that's six thousand over six thousand, almost seven thousand. Wow. And then on the flip side, the lowest is at Bear Mountain State Park in New York. Supposedly this is like right around the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. It's only 124 feet. Not Whoa. like 1,024, 124 feet. Wow. So that's the lowest point. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh-huh. The average hiker needs to consume about 5,500 calories a day to maintain their body weight. And that is about the equivalent of eating roughly 10 Big Macs. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot because when you think about it, like if you look on labels of food and stuff, it'll say a lot of times that like the average daily consumption of calories is recommended to be around Mm 2,000 calories. But that's also like for people who are, moderately active to maintain their body weight uh, roughly about 5,500 calories a day. I said that really fast to maintain (laughs) their body weight, roughly 5,500 calories a day. That is a lot of calories. Yeah. (laughs) That's like, could you imagine like eating that much? Yeah. 10 Big Macs. That just kind of sounds gross to to eat that much a day. Speaking of calories and food, that type of thing, there is a thing called hiker hunger. Have you heard of it? No, not. What is it? I've never heard of it either. I found this so freaking interesting. I've heard different reports that say it can start on the very first day of Mm -hmm. hiking. Most of the time, though, it's like a week in. And I think usually it affects people who do more of the long hiking, like for a few weeks, than it does some people that do it just for like a day or two. But basically where you are burning so many calories and nutrients and stuff that your hunger becomes basically like insatiable where you cannot get enough calories and your body just wants to eat, 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 eat. Oh my goodness. I've seen where it says that this feeling is celebrated. And I think if so, I think it's because it's like you're accomplishing something. You're hiking for so long and must be doing good at it and stuff like that it's almost like when you feel that when you get that feeling it's almost like you've joined a club sort of kind of right of course a lot of times when people stop in the towns and stuff to eat and everything they will order like everything off that menu and because they're just so hungry and stuff and they'll eat like six or seven thousand calories in in one meal um and you know sometimes they get sick from doing that there's a lot of websites that can that I saw that actually seemed very helpful if you are a hiker, kind of like pre-warning you about what this feeling is going to feel like and 
oh, how to listen to your body and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to say the trek.co is one of those ones. It's kind of more of a a blogging kind of website like like, there's bloggers on there and stuff right right but i'm sure that they're hikers so right and so it was like you know listen to your body and and different things of kind of like what to expect and also like things that might help you like certain vitamins and everything um because also you want to make sure you're getting like enough protein and enough nutrients, like certain types of nutrients and stuff, mm. so that your muscles don't break down because you're using them so much. So you kind of want to build muscle instead of breaking it down. And because you're burning so many calories, you need to get the right kind. You know, like protein is essential, lots of protein and stuff. But then there's also like your electrolytes and then your magnesium and potassium and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It also talks about how there is no way for you to carry enough food with you to compensate for those 5,500 calories a day you're burning there. You, you can't carry that carry much. That. Like, yeah. Right. So a lot of times people lose weight and everything on average, the through hikers, which is the ones that go for the like extended, extended amount of time. Amount. Yeah. They lose about 30 pounds, but there's been some reports of people losing like a hundred pounds. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then there is also, I saw this briefly, so I didn't really look too much into it, but part of the problem with the hiker hunger is when you're done hiking and you go back to normal society and stuff, your body for a while is still kind of in that zone and you kind of have to balance it back out and stuff. Mm. It sounds like to me, there's a lot of like preconditioning before the hike that you need to be aware aware of and also post conditioning yes too. your body because like to me the preconditioning is almost more like a mental thing like you need to be prepared for this, this is what's going to happen make sure you have these supplies and stuff you know like the vitamins and everything and then the post one is almost like a more physical you have to recondition your body back to normal mm. and stuff it's super interesting imagine getting done with your hike and being 100 pounds lighter wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, but it would be great, but then it would also be terrible because then right. you have this aftershock of, of trying to convince your brain to get out of that habit of constantly feeling like it's needing food. Right. I wonder how that works when you're on the trail too, if you start losing weight and like your clothes aren't fitting and stuff. I know you do kind of come across towns and you get more supplies, so I guess you could get different clothes and everything. Mm-hmm. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. Also, when you're on the Appalachian Trail and you get halfway through, there is like a tradition where everyone tries to eat a half gallon of ice cream. A whole <laughs> half gallon. And a lot of them succeed because you got to think they well, got yeah. that hunger. Yeah, so they could easily do it. That's funny. Yeah, it's like a little tradition that everyone who makes it halfway tries to eat a half gallon of ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like in one sitting mm-hmm. before they go the rest of the way. Hikers spend like roughly on average... About $5,000 to hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, That usually includes like food, lodging, laundry, transportation. Sometimes they have to upgrade their gear while they're out there, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they can do like in those towns and stuff or repair things that they have. That does not include how much it costs to get the appropriate hiking gear to begin with, which is roughly like $4,000. So almost $10,000. That's a lot of money. Right. But hiking is your passion. 
you want to hike the Appalachian Trail. I think a lot of people who do these long hikes probably have a list of certain trails that they want to do. Kind of like the people who do the Seven Summits. You know, we were talking about Mount Everest and stuff earlier. And then there's like Kilimanjaro and stuff. But it would probably be worth it. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it would be worth it. And probably these, you know, these these people who actually have the legit passion to do this fully probably have some sort of life plan or financial plan set aside or something like that yeah. in order to accure the money that they'll need for this. Okay. So. Well, just think part of my passion is obviously dogs. I spend a lot of money on my dogs. I mean, obviously their basic needs and, you know, vet stuff and everything, but also toys that they like and treats and stuff. Now, granted, I probably don't spend $10,000 in a year on them, but I might spend $10,000 in the course of their lives on them. Mm -hmm. And that's 100% worth it to me. Or other, you know, other things. Some people are passionate about going to concerts or fishing or stuff like that. And so it's just, if that is your passion, then it's absolutely worth it to you. And I love that for you. Mm -hmm. This I was not expecting and... Never even thought about it, but it's so interesting to me. The average through hiker goes through five pairs of shoes on the Appalachian Trail. I could see that. I never really even considered that. I, was, I just never have. Supposedly in Pennsylvania, it's some of the hardest oh, yeah, two, two um, parts of the trail to hike because it's so freaking rocky. Mm -hmm. And those will wear out their shoes faster. So they go through about five pairs of shoes. And so a lot of times on the trails, you might see like piles of discarded shoes and stuff. I have a question for you, Priscilla. What do you think the biggest danger on the Appalachian Trail is? I would say hikers getting lost or rough weather, something okay. like that. Okay. Those are, those are good answers. From my research, the biggest danger is ticks. Whoa. I could, well, that kind of. That yeah. would make sense, though. Because ticks carry a Lyme disease. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've never had... Have you ever had a tick on you? Uh, no. I never have. Felicity had one when she was little. Felicity's the one that is no longer with us, the dog that's no longer with us. But she had one on her little speckled ear. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, like, of course, you know, I couldn't... My dogs can't talk. So they couldn't tell me, hey, I think something just bit me. Right. But I'm kind of thinking like if it took me a, a couple of days to find on her like you might not realize it right away well the, I, I know you said you never had a tick right right but I have okay yeah so tell me about and it. okay so actually I've seen several people who have who have had ticks on mm -hmm. them and seen how they like were moved and stuff because of where I live which is a rural part of yeah. Appalachia so when I was growing up we worked in in tobacco fields and farming fields and stuff like that. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about that, but any, I digress. We would get ticks and they're prone to going into your hair because mm -hmm. that secludes them. Like they can hide real easily. Kind of camouflages them. Yeah. And the other thing is you don't feel them. Yeah. It, like you don't at all. And, and the, the only way that they're noticed is if you have someone check you. That's nutty. For ticks. And because, you, you know, they just kind of like latch on and just feed and feed and feed. And then they get big and you mm -hmm. notice them when they start to get big. I've had one that was a decent size on me and producer actually had one when producer was younger and we didn't see it. And it 
got a pretty decent size. They got about dime size, the body itself. Mm -hmm. I've heard things that are, what is that word? Um, Like, okay, so fingernail polish, like Mm -hmm. clear fingernail polish is what we used to back the tick out. Because yes. you can't leave the tick head in there. Yeah, that's right? what I So heard. you have to get all of the tick out of your body before, you know, you can kill it. It'd be a problem if their head was stuck in there because, you know, they could still. Yeah. yeah. Does it, do you know if the head is still left in there, does it kind of like grow a new body? That's what I'm thinking that it does. I never, my, my family never really talked about why they were so concerned about the head being in there. They mm-hmm. just always said, make sure the head was attached to the body yeah. when you pull it off. I didn't know if it could like um, regenerate like a new body or if it was kind of like one of those things, like if you leave the head in there, it could, it's more prone to infection or something. Right. That's what I was thinking. It's either one of those two things yeah. probably. And I know that there is certain, like you can't just yank it out. You have to do certain things. I remember one time, we were on vacation with another family and we went to horse stables. I was too scared to ride the horses, but that other family and part of my family went and rode horses. And then later that night we were at church and all of a sudden the wife of the other family jumped up with her daughter who was probably like 10 Mm -hmm. and they ran to the bathroom and she ended up having a tick like, and it was right in her hairline, like on her forehead and her hairline and none of us had noticed it all day. And they, the only thing they can think of is when we, they were riding horses, like going through the forest or yeah. whatever, that somehow she got it. If I'm remembering it right, because I mean, I was like 14 at the time, they took like liquid soap, like mm-hmm. dial or whatever hand soap, and they smothered it to get it to like let go. And then they. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to smother it. So you can use anything, like my, my family always said to use something kind of astringent, kind of like real harsh, yeah, kind of like something that will sting your nostrils. Yeah. And if you just barely apply it on the back of their butt where the blood goes to, yeah. it, it kind of starts to smother them. So they, they latch, they, de- you know, kind of detach to get air yeah, yeah. to kind of back out. Okay. So I remember one time they tried to remove a tick off of a cousin of mine. And they used everything they could think of to try to back this tick out. And it took them about a good 45 minutes till the tick backed out. That's, I don't like ticks. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't really know anyone who does, <laughs> but I, I'm not a fan of insects for the most part. Something about ticks is just scariest. Yeah. Like sinister. And then they, you know, they carry or can carry Lyme disease and stuff. I have... <laughs> Gone. There's a few YouTube channels that I like to watch that are dog grooming. And they're not real. I mean, they do have some tutorials, but it's just it's just dog grooming videos. I like them because you are weird. I am weird. I freaking <laughs> love dogs. Also, I've learned a lot of things about how to like trim my dog's nails properly. Yeah, and, stuff. and I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, though, but also know? some of them are so relaxing because they will you know transform the dogs and make them look beautiful and stuff. There's two particular channels. I'm not going to name them or anything because it's not that important, even though I think they themselves are important. Anyhow, there's this one in particular that will do free grooming for people in need, which I think is amazing. But there's some that she has gotten in that are like rescue dogs and the people will bring them in and be like, we rescued them last week or whatever. And there's been some that have had such bad 
ticks, like infested, like hundreds of ticks on them. My dogs are getting upset about the ticks. Anyway, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by my own children, those dog grooming videos. There's one in particular where she will do free grooming for people in need. And sometimes it's dogs that have been rescued right off the street. And there's been a couple that have been like infested with huge ticks. It's so sad. Ticks. Ticks can suck it, but not suck it. <laughs> they can suck it because they suck, but I don't want them to suck. Other- it's like you can you can suck because you actually are a terrible thing, but don't literally suck my blood <laughs> or anyone I care about anyone or animals. Care, and anyone, stuff. anything, just don't. Right, just stop it, ticks and fucking assholes. So those are some of the. Cool little random facts about the Appalachian Trail that I thought were interesting. I really wanted to find some kind of more creepy facts. Mm -hmm. But every time I would search for that, it would pop up a lot of like creepy stories and stuff. And a lot of them were the ones that I've mentioned when we first started our Appalachian Mm -hmm. stuff. It wasn't really like facts about the trail. It was like... Well, I was on this trail. I passed this guy that seemed creepy to me. And I'm like, well, I'm sure that happens. I mean, I freaking pass people like that at Walmart. <laughs> you know? It's like driving down the road, walking to go get your mail. There's, they're everywhere, Yeah, man. and I appreciate the fact that you're sharing your experience with us. But I am wanting, like, like creepy facts. Like, this, this is not a fact. This is me just spewing things out of my imagination. But, like, something like when they were marking the trail... They found a hidden ancient graveyard or, or burial site or sacred yeah. site of a certain nation or you know yeah, yeah. or I get it. or um while they were doing this in preparation for the trail, sixteen hundred people fell down and broke their left pinky toe all exactly in the same spot, and is that a curse to pinky toes? The thing, the interesting thing about that, though, Sylvia, is like, think of how vast the Appalachian Trail is. The Appalachian Trail across 13 states and 423 counties. That's a lot. Yeah. You know? And so there's so many stories that probably are word of mouth Mm -hmm. or these kind of things. So I'm wondering if, like, maybe locally people will have tales in these counties yeah of like seeing something weird on the Appalachian Trail or seeing a specter or a creature you know those type of things maybe it's more like traditional just folk tale folk tales that are talked down mm-hmm. through generation that are in those towns right but not necessarily something that somebody would post yeah, you know? like not like hardcore fact kind right, of thing right and i maybe just did not dig deep enough for the more fact-based, like what I have in my mind. Maybe well, I just didn't d- dig deep enough too. Because this has, this is how Appalachia has opened up a door. Because one, it's very vast. Two, it's incredibly fascinating. Mm-hmm. Both in its lore and in its biotony. Is that the right word? It's biodiversity is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So it, it, like even in plant life, it's biodiversity is just so amazing. Right. I don't know what but, the fuck I was going for. <laughs> it just lost my mind. 
Yeah. Priscilla, Priscilla had her missing moment. Her memory <laughs> just left her. I kind of get where you're going, though. Like, there's so much to it that we could uncover. Yeah, and, and it, it, it that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. There's so much of it that we can uncover that it could be very vast and our networks would be kind of, you know. Yeah. Right now, we're just barely just scratching. Ratchet, yeah. And even then, that's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Just to barely, like, leaving a little scratch. You know, so yeah. once I think we start digging in, we're going to, it's going to open up real wide. It is. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> um, I did find a few kind of creepy things about trails in Appalachia, uh-huh. not necessarily the Appalachian Trail, which is kind of what I was trying to focus on. Uh-huh. But I still kind of want to share these with you if you're cool with that. Well, yeah, I think, you know, that's very interesting, too, uh, like the natural trails. Because, you know, those trails, most of those trails were probably traveled by either Native Americans or what? Settlers and stuff. Okay. You're looking at me like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he is giving me this eye, like, just, just, I'm getting ready to do, just shut up. I'm getting ready to go there. I'm getting ready to go there. No, there was this pause. <laughs> Just like a split second pause that I got a little tickled because you said, well, you know, those trails were probably traveled. And then there was a pause before you went on. But I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what (laughs) What a trail is. (laughs) (laughs) So one of them is called Ghost House Trail and it's in Tennessee. It's located at the Big Ridge State Park, which is a little less than 30 miles from Knoxville. It runs past the Hutchison family farm and cemetery. Some people report hearing dogs panting or running around. Some have even seen a dog like cross their path when they're hiking it. Uh And then it, and then it just kind of disappears. That particular dog is said to be from what I understand anyway, the pet of Mary Hutchison who died of tuberculosis There's also been reports of wailing coming from Mary's room in the Hutchinson house that you pass. Mm. There's also a spot called Indian Rock where Peter Graves was scalped. Some places say by locals and some places say by Native Americans. Mm -hmm. His ghost is supposed to wander around in that area. I did see on one of the websites I listed before, I can't remember which one, that said that there's actually, like, a plaque in that spot saying that that happened. Like, because I was like, is that just, like, a legend passed down? You know, like, and and things get lost in translation or added or taken away and stuff like that. But supposedly there is. I don't know. I've never been there. I kind of want to be there. Unfortunately, you know, in Appalachia, there are monuments with terrible pasts like that. Right. You know, so it does not surprise me one bit that there is a plaque that dictates that. Yeah. And and apparently Peter's ghost hangs out around there and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also legend of a young witch that was hung in the woods by her father. And for some reason, her ghost hangs out at the grist mill. Where's the, do you know where the grist mill is? I don't know. This is all along Ghost House Trail. Oh, okay. And that's in Big Ridge State Park in Tennessee. I don't know, maybe one day we need to take a road trip. and Yeah, maybe figure that, yeah, that sounds like fun. And from what I understand, both of these trails are not very long, uh-huh. um, maybe a couple miles or something. Right. So it 
might be something that we could do. The other one is Nort Norton. <laughs> Nort Nortian. Fuck. It was okay. just like my tongue got stuck. <laughs> you, you did a me. You did. You did a me. I did a Priscilla. Did a Priscilla. Oh, you did a Priscilla. Aren't you proud? <laughs> All right. The other one is Norton Creek Trail in North Carolina. So in this area, there's the Cherokee legend of Spearfinger. Have you heard of Spearfinger? No, but it sounds interesting. It sounded familiar to me, but I don't really know a whole lot about it. I actually want to do a deeper dive on it, so I'm not going to tell you too much. I'll just tell you kind of like the basics. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a Cherokee legend. Spearfinger was a witch who lived on the highest ridge off of the trail, I think it is, um, and had one long finger that was made of sharp stone. And she would lure the children from their village, uh, rock them to sleep, and then cut out their livers with her creepy finger, her spear finger. I know, it, yeah, it's just their livers. Just their livers. She liked their livers. Did like she sell them on the black market? Like, was that her thing? I don't think the black market was, was a thing at the time, but yeah, it might have been. It, it, maybe she created it. I don't know. But every single thing that I saw about her mentioned how it was just the livers and she thought the livers were a delicacy every single thing said she thought the livers okay were a so she was more like you she needed she, the iron i guess yeah, so she would that's her main meal yeah and there's some theories that that say like the cherokee made up the story to tell their chi- children from so that they, they wouldn't wander away from them so much of and course, stuff yeah anyway th- there's a lot of really interesting things on this there's also a thing about a stone man stoned no Stone, not stoned. Every time I say it in my head, I'm hearing stoned. That's not what I mean. I mean stone, like a rock man. He has something to do with her too. Like they know each other. I want to look more into it. Oh, interesting. I'm excited about that. Yeah. It's going to be nice. I feel like we could do a a better job at discussing Spearfinger and all of that surrounding her. Of course. On... Norton Creek Trail, there has been reports of orbs. A lot of hikers have been known to follow the orbs back to the main trailhead. So maybe that orb is helping lost hikers. Like a guiding light, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And there is more current stories about possible spear finger things. There's one, I'm not sure how much more current, it still could be 100 years old, but about a man looking for his lost daughter who like fell down a ridge and died. Oh fuck. And the way it relates back to Spearfingers, I think like maybe Spearfinger took the daughter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyhow, so they think that or, you know, like theories anyway, are that this orb could be that dad. And on the search for his daughter. On the search for his daughter and then is finding lost hikers and mm-hmm. leading them, like you said, like a guiding light back to the ma- main trailhead. So there's not like any type of like um malicious ne- intent. Yeah, negativeness just... to that orb. Right. But there are a lot of cemeteries and then like remnants of old buildings and houses back from the frontier days or whatever else that are all along Norton Creek Trail in North Carolina. And so a lot of times that gives people like that eerie feeling, mm-hmm. even though there's not 
necessarily anything eerie about it. It's just, I mean, I, I get that. Like if you're, well, you know, I am a fan of abandoned buildings, so right. it's not like I'm going to say. And I think it's, I mean, there's, no. I think that there's like abandoned buildings, but then I think that there's abandoned buildings that are in process of decomposition. And right. Stuff of too. course, to be too, you can't go in them because they're right. so decrepit. Yeah. Right. There is, I don't have it written down here, so I might be kind of like, like my retelling of what I read might be a little off. So just take that into consideration. But there was something called Decoration Days way back in the day. And supposedly this Norton Creek Trail kind of runs along the trail of the Decoration Days. And what that was, if I'm remembering correctly, is where family members and stuff would go and decorate the tombstones of their loved ones. And it was like once a year and it was kind of like a little parade type thing along this trail. And that's also, that's basically the Norton Creek Trail. So it does run around some graveyards and cemeteries and stuff like that too. And they're pretty old. Yeah. Like if you look at the pictures, they're pretty dang old. Yeah. Yeah. Which are you, uh, (laughs) you are going to post like pictures of some of this stuff. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll post it on our Instagram. Like when you can and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that's basically it. Um, Like I said, I want to, I want to do a a more thorough in-depth research on spear finger. I keep wanting to say spirit finger, but it's spear (laughs) finger. And uh, like you said, we're just scratching the surface. I'm sure there's a lot more stuff that I can find and everything. I will try to post pictures to our Instagram at do you have space for me? And if you guys have suggestions on more creepy facts or even just really interesting facts about the Appalachian Trail or Appalachian in general, but I'm, for some reason, I'm obsessed with the trail right now. Tomorrow I might not be, but anyway, (laughs) our email is do you have space for me at gmail.com yeah and i mean that would be really cool any kind of information you guys want to give us especially because you know sylvia and i find this fascinating Mm -hmm. because there is so much going on with the history of this of this whole yeah appalachian trail and appalachia in general that you could it's endless really. Yeah. You know? And so to us, we're like, Oh yes. So, I mean, maybe you guys will want to partake in that journey and come along with us while, you know, we still keep it kind of weird with some of our random shits and giggle pod podcasts. But yeah, Appalachia is kind of something that we've both agreed that is a going to be like, is a passion really to us. So It's, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but at the beginning of our podcast, we basically just wanted to create one, us having our normal conversations. Because sometimes we have some of the weirdest, <laughs> but most interesting conversations. And my whole thing was like, even if we don't ever have listeners, this will be a cool thing for us to have as we're older to kind of like reminisce on our friendship and stuff. Because right. we've been best friends for over 20 years. Right. That That's the one thing. But I also kind of felt self-conscious or maybe a little bit probably uncertain uncertain and a lot of podcasts have a certain kind of set subject or genre that Mm -hmm. they do you know you've got a lot of true crime you have I've mentioned before the lost in the woods podcast that literally is all about people lost in the woods and hikers and stuff like that and they those types of podcasts do amazing in their own field. The problem is Priscilla and I, 
have so many things that we find interesting, but we're also really goofy and nerdy and dorky. So also the things like the Would You Rather episodes and stuff are so fun for us. Right. But then one day we just kind of stumbled upon, it's it's kind of stupid that we stumbled upon it because we live in Appalachia. In Appalachia. Yeah. But we both got so fascinated with it. We think that that's probably going to be our niche. Yeah. But we are not well, solely only going to be that. Right. And some of the topics will be Appalachian related in regards to Appalachian artists, Appalachian yeah. writers, Appalachian podcasters, you know, like anything to praise Appalachia as well. We're going to be on board for, Yeah, you know, so in, in you know, hopefully in the next year we'll, we'll have a more structured way of presenting these things to you because you know we're we're all we're fucking new yeah we don't know what the fuck we're doing what can anybody help us yeah <laughs> like we don't know what the fuck we're doing we're just winging it so uh, you know we get interrupted by the dogs barking we but also i think too that's part of our charm that's us if yeah. we are charming at all is that we aren't as structured i mean in a way i kind of want us to be but the fact that we say like and um a lot is also who, who we, we are, are. So we hope that you guys. I, I appreciate your patience. Yeah. First off, and all of the followers that have stuck the fuck through. <laughs> yeah. When we're trying to figure out what we are doing, the big, the causes, big supporters, the, yeah. the people who share our episodes when we post them on IG and stuff, those kind of things really mean a lot to us. Yeah. So if you guys want to reach out to us, you know, give us some information, you know, any good books, you know, right. anything like that. You got a good author off, 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 off. <laughs> if you know any good, off. <laughs> if you know King Arthur or an author with the last let name. Let me try King. another word. Okay. Let me try another word. If you know any writers, okay, that do legends of anything of Appalachia, you know, all through Appalachia, we're not restricting it to Southern Appalachia at all right we're actually gonna we're expanding it so it's gonna be all of Appalachia so if you know anything please reach out to us we're more than happy to listen to your story right and we do realize that we have some listeners that are not in the United States and don't know a whole lot about Appalachia but might want to share their own stories about their region yeah and, and we could totally do that too hiking I'm down. <laughs> hiking trails it's funny because i didn't mention this to you earlier but when i was looking up some of this stuff somehow i got on trails in dublin ireland oh wow and i was like oh my gosh this is so cool <laughs> and you almost went down another rabbit hole but yeah. then you had to pull yourself back out and right? we might do Appalachian adjacent kind of stuff, you know, stuff that's not immediately Appalachian, but that somehow reminds us or we find fascinating because like I said, we have so many interests just like, I mean, everyone does, you know, no one's really just one certain thing. We really appreciate you guys listening, sharing, liking, rating, all of that stuff. We really appreciate you guys. I mean, I don't know how else to say it without getting like emotional. emotional. Yeah. yeah. I Can I say something on a personal note? There have been a couple people who have reached out about the passing of my dog. And I am trying not to cry, but I just want to say thank you. I think, I think there's a lot of people that do understand. I don't have children. 
human children. The dogs are my children. And this particular dog was basically my soulmate. There's a lot of people that understand. There's also a lot of people that don't understand and have been like, you need to get over it now. I appreciate everyone reaching out. Those that did and stuff. That means a lot to me. So thank you. We love you. We do love you and we appreciate you. Right. But, but get the, get the fuck out of our house. Do we need to call you an Uber? We can call you an Uber. You might have to pay for it. We're broke right. as shit. So, how much money yeah. You got? By the way, <laughs> you know, if you want, we, we appreciate the sport. God, I can't even talk. We appreciate the sport. <laughs> this is our 15 minute exit uh, segment here where we try to say goodbye, but it just doesn't work. Right. Work. Because we're Southern and we do those Southern goodbyes. You yeah. Know? That's that 20 minute thing where you're sitting in the car when you're a kid and your mom says, it'll be just a minute yeah. and then get lost in it for 20 and you're sitting in your car like, God damn it, mom, come on. That's- what I was trying to say is if you want to financially support us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash do you have space? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? love a coffee like we've stated yeah a thousand times and probably will on every episode so <laughs> okay bye okay bye <laughs> love y'all <laughs> <laughs>